Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome. And as the introduction said, this is the weekly Spirit Seeker Hour brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. We've been published uh, online since 1998 and in print since 1996. So each and every month we bring you the latest in the frontier of mind, body, and spirit and anything that enhances um, well-being on all fronts. So in addition to the monthly magazine, we have the weekly radio show. We also have a weekly email newsletter, and we encourage you to uh, send us an email to info, info, at spiritseeker.com and ask to be added to our Sacrosanct email list, and then we will let you know who the weekly radio show guests are. We'll let you know when the new magazine is online. We'll let you know about um, wonderful mind, body, spirit events all over the U.S. into Canada, and um, any we, we do spiritual travel at Spirit Seeker, and we're planning a trip in 2016 to Italy and Spain to all the sacred sites. So if you want to be um, know about all of this and more, please just uh, send an email to info at spiritseeker.com and we will add you to our email list. Okay, so that's it for announcements. We are now going to go into our um, interview this evening and um, my guests this evening are Elizabeth uh, Carmen and uh, Neil Carmen, and both of them have worked... uh, they're both PhD psychologists and authors, and they have worked in the area of research in uh, firsthand accounts of uh, compelling stories from children and parents about pre-birth memories, um, you know, w- runs the gamut. And uh, talking about soul communication um, from the womb and beyond and soul contracts and all the agreements and all kinds of other things. So. I'm not, you know, I know a little bit. I'm fascinated by the topic. So, Elizabeth and Neil, thank you so much for being my guests, and welcome. Thank you, Cindy. We're so happy to be with you tonight, and we hope we can share something meaningful to all the listeners. Yes, thank you very much. So so the two of you have worked together, and you've created this wonderful, wonderful book called Cosmic Cradle. I mean, what a name. (laughs) It's like, it's perfect. And, um... So would you would you share you know you have you have backings you know by Joan Borisenko, Larry Dossey, you know people who've you know done a lot of work with um, soul level things and they're they're giving you blessings and so let's just hear how did how did and either one jump in um, however you want to do this how did you get started on being fascinated by this topic? Well, the Cosmic Cradle Project was not something that I planned in advance, and then Neil can chime in and explain how he got involved, but it certainly wasn't anything I ever anticipated. But looking back, I can see how it was very carefully orchestrated step by step, starting out with my interest in the higher consciousness when I was in college and taking courses in humanistic psychology and learning about self-actualization and what goes right with people rather than studying what goes wrong. And so looking at the upper end of consciousness and getting also interested in meditation 
and unfolding my full potential and teaching others to do that. And along the way, I began to encounter, as I was writing a magazine article, encounter women who were telling me these amazing stories. I, I was actually first doing some um, interviews with women who were having ecstatic birth deliveries of their babies. They had no pain, just completely natural birth and in ecstasy. And this was the uh, doorway that led into the whole, um, you know, this whole field, which I thought, well, okay, this is a little magazine article, but quickly it became apparent that this is a book or a series of books. And it, right now we have published our second book in 2013 that's cosmic cradle spiritual dimensions of life before birth in 2000 we published a 760 page uh, compendium just covering all the different cultures and religions and the people that we had interviewed who have memories natural memories they're born with natural memories of their previous existence in spirit when they chose their parents, they planted their journey to earth, what that experience was like. And also we found accounts from mothers who met their children in a dream or a vision. So we were very interested in looking for evidence for life before birth and when when do we first become conscious. And so we found it, it, it just was... Um, you know, just in captivating the whole subject. It wasn't anything that I had ever read about it just fell into our my lap and then Neil became involved. I don't know if Neil do you want to add a few points about your side of it? Well, spirit uh led me uh you know to meet Elizabeth and then to hear this uh information she was gathering and I just had an instantaneous uh powerful electric reaction uh as she said that uh, my message to her was that this was a book or a series of books uh but little did I know that I was going to become uh, also involved in the project in, in 1989. Wow. So you've been at this working together for a while here. Yes. And then really before that, you know, we had been spiritual seekers uh, doing a meditation and yoga and trying to become, you know, more evolved um, and still, you know, doing a lot of uh, research. And so it, it was just all meant to be. There's no doubt about that. And so uh, we were led to meet many, many uh, people who had amazing stories to share. Um, so uh, I know one one uh, person we met who was doing research in this area was shocked at how easily we had encountered such amazing stories because this other uh, researcher had to do advertising, and we didn't do any advertising. It was just word of mouth and, and asking. Well, and I noticed David Chamberlain is, um, you know, gave you an endorsement, and I use his um, some of his articles with, you know, life coaches that I train because he understood. I mean, way before a lot of people understood, like, the pre-birth memories and the pre, you know. So I thought, oh, my gosh, they even have David Chamberlain on board here. You know, I mean, I mean, Voices from the Womb. I mean, I've always been fascinated by, um, I, I shared right before we came on the air that, you know, I studied with Sandra Ray and I became a rebirther um, 37 years ago, I think, or 20, 25 years ago, something like that. I said it backwards. And, um 
And, you know, as a rebirther, we would always be fascinated by what were the decisions or thoughts, even in the womb, that, you know, did they take on, you know, from what they heard? Because babies hear everything, and they have a consciousness. And, um, I mean, and I know, you know, I'm I'm probably, you're like, wait a minute, we wrote the book, so... (laughs) be quiet here but but when you study the different cultures what was the thing that struck you like no matter which part of the world or where you were that it was kind of similar well when i looked at the research in australia which basically emphasized spirit baby communication as being a prerequisite for pregnancy if the father didn't have a dream of an incarnate or a spirit child who wanted to incarnate into that family, it didn't matter how much sex the couple engaged in; it, it wasn't going to happen. And this was something that was not really understood by the typical waking state philosophers and anthropologists. They just thought this is the most ridiculous thing. They don't understand sex. They think a spirit child has to be there. But actually, they understood the deeper level of of conception that there there it's it's a partnership between the mother, the father, and the incarnating spirit. And so, if the spirit child isn't there, uh, this isn't going to happen. So, I, I find the uh, stories coming out of Australia, which is a huge continent, and uh, over 500 tribes having these these kinds of experiences. So they were very psychic, clairvoyant, uh, they they had their higher senses functioning as just the natural part of their life. And so that was wonderful to to find that. Here in the U.S. with the Native American culture, there were more stories about the memories. For example, the shamans would share their memories of their pre-birth experiences, their past life experiences, and in some cases, interlife between lifetimes. And there aren't as many of those as I found, for example, in Australia where we had countless cases. But here in the uh, in North America, there, there certainly are cases like that, but the um, indigenous peoples here, I think, were very hesitant to share some of these deeper spiritual experiences they were having and those that did were even in the literature that i found were ridiculed and of course they were also ridiculed in australia i remember one account where the where the anthropologist said well we we think we've found the missing link between man and the ape because these people don't understand sex they they believe that there's a incarnating spirit child that needs to be present that's just ridiculous and has to come in a dream to the father and announce itself and, and choose the father and the mother how ridiculous uh, and, and they pointed out oh look at the i i saw one one of these native women and, and if you had put a tail on her she would have looked like um you know uh, a monkey or an ape or something so they were very degrading and they said these people just should be put on a reservation and die in peace because they they don't even understand sex. How could anything be so backward as that? So it was very interesting to see the bias, and also it was fulfilling to shed a, a deeper light on these wonderful experiences that they they had in the past, as well as 
what people are experiencing today, and we're finding we can't we can barely keep up with the amount of stories and people are sharing all over the world now with us. When we started our research in two, you know in 1989, certainly there wasn't the internet, so we didn't have that. But we, I was overloaded with experiences at that time and had 760 pages in the first book. But now, with the internet, it, we're, we're documenting we're each case that we get. Pardon? We're so connected. It's like yes. it's, and and it's, it's wonderful it's really to say, you know, two, yeah, yeah. We have you know two-year-old Joshua in Israel and three-year-old Micah, Micah in Croatia, and uh, a child in Russia, or or an adult who has retained the memories throughout their whole lifetime. So um, it's it's really a uh, universal phenomenon that's taking place here on the planet, and we feel it's a sign of higher times, good times. Uh, coming for the planet because more and more higher beings, higher consciousness beings are coming in with these natural memories. That That's the way I like to look at it is that when uh, and it's something that I studied from the uh, Buddhist tradition is that they talk about four different levels of awareness as as when we incarnate, when we descend into the womb, and we can be completely cloaked and don't, don't remember anything. And then on the upper le- level, we can be fully aware and awake and remember our past journey and why we came here. And they call those the bodhisattvas. And then there are those that remember something's in the womb. And so there's, you know, there's like four different levels they lay out. And so we are not saying that we can't find these memories through rebirthing as as you have discovered and that's wonderful or you can't find them through regression or hypnotherapy or whatever but we uh, we wanted to just see what the natural experience is coming what what that is so we just focused on that and there's many parallels to what other people have found through these other processes and you know Okay, so I so many questions. I mean, uh, you know, and and listeners, if you have a question, just push one on your phone, and I I will bring you live on the air um, with a question for um, Elizabeth and Neil. But one of the first questions, okay, um, in England, they are much from this is my understanding that the doctors are more aware to you know to um, Working with working with the mothers, they're more aware of creating the atmosphere in the delivery rooms, and there's just more consciousness. You know, I don't know if it's because it's an older culture, like they use birthing chairs instead of putting women flat on their back, and um, and and with the rebirthers in in England, there's a dialogue. They've actually, you know, it's it's not like they're strange people that are trying to help. Um, help mothers become more aware that their thoughts, the babies feel their thoughts, that, you know, there's a dialogue. And I I love what you shared about the father calling in the child. So my question is, in the United States now, more than ever, we have a fertility problem, like scientifically created children. Um, What is your take on that? I'm just curious. I want to let Neil answer this because it's connected to a lot of things that he works on. Yeah, um, I also actually work uh, in the environmental pollution field, and uh, today uh, there's you know reports of 50% infertility among young married couples, and what we know is that there's you know about 100,000 uh, industrial chemicals in commercial production in the United States and in many other countries, and there is extensive uh, pollution 
uh, in the foods, the water, the air, the products people use, and, and these things are in the body. There's surveys that have been done to show it's in our blood, it's uh, in our cells, and so forth. Um, so that is that's one of the barriers, and then I think there's probably also, um, in some cases, uh, emotional barriers. Uh, where maybe people are really not as mature as they need to be, so the spirit uh, babies, the spirit beings, are are not able to, um, you know, be born because the the pregnancies are not happening. Uh, there's there's barriers. So these are just a few examples. But you know, people can certainly clean up their diets and you know have uh, eat organic or purified foods, uh, grow their own. Uh, more and uh, stay away from a lot of alcohol and, and harmful drugs and so forth. Uh, uh, you know, stop, don't smoke. Um, so anyway, there's many things that can be done so that the temple of the mother's body is much more ready, her mind, her being, her, uh, they're prepared to, uh, you know, help uh, with this pregnancy and, and bring in this spirit baby. That's, that's um fabulous take on this because um i you know I've heard so many different things, and you know our foods are so tainted, you know my daughter is now gluten free and dairy free, and figuring out you know i mean we're eating very clean these days i mean she 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 lives in Italy, but she's been visiting for two months in the states, and so I just decided it's easier just to prepare the fresh food, and you almost can't buy anything packaged anymore that you, you look at it, any corn products in our country, they're all uh, genetically modified. You know, Europe won't take our beef. They won't take our fruits and vegetables. They won't take this. They won't take that because they know. They know. And, you know, the hormones and, you know, all of our dairy and then a lot of uh, this is what I've heard. I don't know if it's true, but it made sense to me is that when women started on birth control pills in the 60s, the estrogen was so high um, that a lot of the children the sons born, they had lower sperm counts. You know, I don't know if it's true or not. You know, you hear so many different things. But but what I love about your work, the the gist of what I've sensed with it, and tell me if I'm on the right track um, with what you're trying to communicate to the readers and um, the listeners tonight, is that there is a soul connection with incarnation. It's not just an accident with children choosing their parents and vice versa, calling the child, calling a particular soul level being into their womb, like through their through their intention. Is that, am I on the right track with this? Yes, we've, we've received many reports, in some cases validated memories of people who say they specifically chose that set of parents. So there's a behind-the-scenes planning before we're born here. There's a time when each of us made a decision and chose the particular parents that we have today we might want to think about why why did we choose our parents think in retrospect even as difficult as a relationship it could have been what what is the silver lining there what 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 did we gain from that Uh, so we have many stories where people have remembered choosing their parents in some cases, they've even witnessed the act of biological conception between their mother and father, and 
knew that that was their opportunity to make the connection from the other side. Uh, so it's it's amazing that there's behind-the-scenes planning or a, we could say a pre-birth conference where the soul perhaps meets with guides, angels, some some maybe even a deceased grandparent. We have stories like that where there's some um, collaboration and uh, decision-making in terms of what parent is, is the best parent for me in the next lifetime and what do I want to do. And some people have chosen very, very difficult paths and, and remembered choosing it and understand why their life has been the way it is. We have one gentleman who uh, had two of his uh, wives die of serious illnesses, and then uh, he did marry a third time. He had two children die. He had nine cancer surgeries. He had many close encounters with death in the military. Uh, he had a near-death experience. But he remembers that he chose the most difficult path. He was given three choices before he was born, and he remembers, I want to take the most difficult one, and he reasoned that he would get the greatest reward from that and his guide said are you sure that's what you want to do and he gave him chance to to bow out and take one of the other two choices which are a much easier ride but Rennie uh was stuck to his uh his intention to have the maximum growth uh we have another fellow that claims he chose to have three near-death experiences in this particular lifetime. His name is Lorenzo, and he said he chose that in order to take care of three lifetimes of karma and to get off the wheel of samsara, the birth and death cycle. So, And each time he had these near-death experiences, he describes it as going out of um, a vortex, we, we've all seen that, have that um, awareness, or many of us do, who have done any near-death uh, research or read any of those books about talking about the tunnel and the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, it's kind of that kind of an experience where at the, in the near-death experience he went out of the tunnel, and then when he came back in, he came back through the tunnel, he said it was like being reborn again. So he had three of those in this lifetime, and his consciousness was uplifted, and he actually... Uh, wrote a book. Uh, it's a very advanced book. He writes on the cover for um, advanced. What does it say, Neil? Do you remember that little thing he says on there? It's kind of a teaser. Like, are you sure you're advanced enough to read this book? Anyway, it's his book is Cosmic Contract, Mouth of God, Your Cosmic Contract. Um, does that kind of answer your question a little bit? It or does. Do you absolutely. No, absolutely. You know, and it's funny, I, I read the book Cosmic Consciousness many, many, many years ago, and, you know, it was different philosophers and ex existentialists who shared that moment, like, you know, Henry David Thoreau, Sir Francis Bacon, all these different people who reached that moment, that cosmic moment where, like, all, everything was understood, you know, like, like what you're describing. It's like this, mm -hmm. this man had a choice. I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. Whoa, if I do this, even though it's going to be hard, I can handle two lifetimes in one. I can I can I can really soul level advance. Okay, I'm gonna do it. 
<laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, I mean, my girlfriend, oh, she is a crazy girl, and if she's listening tonight, she won't mind me sharing this. She decided she wanted to be um, a mom and get married, so she went to India, all right? This girl's kind of like, I just love her. Okay, so she goes to India, and she goes into a restaurant and literally says, I'd like to get married. Who would like to marry me? And some wow. man marries her. I mean, it's a little trippy. And they did the whole <laughs> wedding with, you know, several days of this, that, and the other. And then this beautiful child, this little girl, was born. And this little girl, when she was like maybe three, maybe four, but very verbal, looked at her mother and said, I was your grandmother before oh, I came wow. in as your daughter. And she knew in that moment, you know, it was the truth. And, you know, I mean, I mean that's an extreme story, but... But you know, well, I, 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 what, but go ahead. Well, I would say I would I would say that actually your friend is very intuitive, and that she was probably getting a message from the spirit baby that if you want me to come in, uh, I can arrange. Better go to India. To, yep. Uh, yeah, go to <laughs> India, and uh, a man will be at the at this restaurant, and you go there, and you make your announcement, and he will come forward. It was not an accident at all. These things are highly orchestrated, months, years, lifetimes in advance, okay? Uh, so yeah. we, we see them as just kind of, oh, this seems kind of an accidental, extreme situation. But I think she must be highly intuitive. And so oh, it all happens. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, not everyone understands it, but I, Neil, I think, I think you're right. It's by divine alignment, divine appointment, and those um, that are willing, you know, to listen, even when it's something maybe, you know, that that doesn't seem normal. But what is normal, you know? And, um, I mean, you know, I looked at, I have to say, Table 1, pre-birth reports, 108 religions and cultures. Well, you know, there are 108, 108 steps to every temple in India. There are 108 mala beads that we pray when we do the, the prayer beads, you know. And 108 shows up over and over. It's and there, it's nine completions, new beginnings, numerolo- numerologically. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how do they come up with this? Did they know that when they put 108, you know, that this is such a spiritual number? And, you know, but what it's like, think? here you were. <laughs> I don't know if you even knew that, but, you know, I'm one of these, you know, I'm, I'm a feng shui consultant, too. And there's nine areas in the Bagua and Lahaim and the Jewish tradition. They The reason they give increments of 18 and 27, you know, when they give gifts or 36, it always equals nine completions, new beginnings, Lahaim to life. You know, and so I thought, I wonder if they knew all this when they did. <laughs> you know, my mind went everywhere when I was zooming through your book. And, um and I just thought, oh, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine what a beautiful experience it is to just open your email and hear someone else sharing, like, you know, uh, another beautiful, heartfelt story. And you must confirm so many parents with their children that are like more awake. It, it's it's exhilarating. It truly is exhilarating because it's, um, um, you know, we we we. Both Neil and I are interested in seeing a better world and a better place here. We know, I mean, Neil has been dealing with environmental problems for the last, you know, 30 some years, and um, I did some social work. But um, so we, we, we're not blind to the problems on the planet, and we've, we're doing our best to give people a glimpse of who they really are, where they have come from. And, um, you know, this is our common denominator. We are all spiritual beings. 
temporarily downloaded into human form. And it's not just what we see with our, you know, materialistic uh, <laughs> eyes. The matter is not all that there is. We, we've got to go beyond uh, the materialistic outlook of mainstream science. So all of these things are just very exhilarating because I feel it's a sign of a better future for the planet. Uh, more and more children are being born. I, and we feel many of these children are very advanced beings who have had many incarnations and are coming as compassionate beings to help the planet. So we um, just want to share that with with everyone. And we are uh, winding down our third book right now. We hope to have it out uh, by the end of the year, early January. And we have another one after that. Well, well, you will not ever have a shortage of material. I mean, you are totally well, that's on the track. Problem, I think. Well, it's going to be done now. This will be the last book. But then the stories are so fascinating. You think, right. well, this they they are they're they're a message. They're they're these people with these experiences are messengers, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it's wonderful to be compiling them and sharing them. Well, I'm going to read, if you do not mind. Um, and even if you do, I want to read it anyway. <laughs> I want to uh, read the different um, elements that are related to children's pre-birth memories. Um, number one is self-aware of their true blissful nature. The physical body is a garment, a cage, shell, a temporary housing for the soul. Number two, eternal. They know that parents do not create them. They are brought to birth through parents. Birth is a change from being to becoming. There's a sense of feeling at home. The heavenly world is their true home where there is a sense of belonging, meaning, and completeness. There's limitless love. Love in the heavenly world is off the scale, intense and endless in scope compared to earthly love. They're aware of soul families. Heaven is a place teeming with souls. They exist with loved ones in groups. Beings of light and beauty are their true family, so they recognize one another, and there's a soul level remembering. Telepathy. This is where, you know, the Hathers from Egypt that just disappeared, you know, in Atlantis and different things. You know, when I read this, I was like, huh, yep. Telepathy. They report telepathy and instantly manifesting whatever they think of or travel via mere intention. Spirit guides, angels, divine planners, great being creator, a higher being tells them they are going on a journey and will return home one day. Guides assist in pre-birth planning and escort them to their mother's womb. I absolutely love that one. I was like, okay, I that just... You know, I was like, okay. Preview and life plan, their upcoming life appears like a Hollywood movie or images on a computer screen. They are given options for parents and lessons to learn. Pre-birth amnesia, they may feel parts of their pre-birth memory being erased as they descend on the way to Earth. Some are also aware of amnesia gradually taking place in childhood. I just had this conversation with someone. I said, you know, the children who had imaginary play friends you know, like, oh, that's just their their imaginary friend. I said, oftentimes, you know, they're talking to their soul helpers. You know, it's like there's just, there's so much, you know, that gets shut down when a child's talking to an imaginary friend. Stop doing that. Stop doing that, you know. Or children, you know, I, I had a close friend who was very intuitive as a child, and she, the lady next door died, and she told her parents the next day at dinner, oh, or breakfast, one of the two, oh, um, she came and visited me last night, and she was talking to me, and they're like, Nancy, stop that right now, you know, because, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And yet, 
you know, she so everything she experienced as a child, you know, she was told was wrong. So I, I, okay, so free, okay, I'm almost finished. Interest in human experience, some are reluctant to be born, whereas others have a strong desire. And, you know, working with countless people in rebirthing, what I found is that sometimes they change their mind, and those are the breach births. You know, they turn around, they go back, they they sense, you know, or or they have to be pulled in, forced up in, or they have to be induced in because they change their mind. They realize maybe I made a mistake or they're, you know, um, Lots of different things. Or it could things. be a C-section. Okay. Right. Emergency. I'm not going to come out unless you pull me out, literally take me out. Right. And and that whole emergency thing. Um, but what I really like is, uh, well, I didn't read 11. Let me read these last two, and then we'll go wherever you want to go with it. Awareness in, in the fetus. Once the soul connects with the fetus in the womb, most souls feel a loss of freedom, constricted awareness, a feeling of being in a cage. I'd love to talk about that. And then there's no fear of death. Some even look forward to returning home. And, you you know, you write quite a bit about that, about, you know, Mommy, why are people afraid of dying? Like these children know there's really no death. So go wherever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a lot of of options there. (laughs) I know. So, I mean, your work is fascinating. So wherever you want to go, but now people, you 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 have to buy the book to really get the full thing. (laughs) Yeah, you just ended on the the no fear of death. And uh, we interviewed uh, a mother whose little two-year-old, we call him a two-year-old philosopher that who was in love with heaven. And he was talking about heaven ever since, you know, he became verbal and would talk about how wonderful heaven is. And he would, and one day when they were walking to preschool, he announced to his mother, well, I just want to die so I can go back to heaven again and again. And and the mother says, what? You know, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. You know, mommy and daddy are supposed to die before you. I don't know. She tried to explain how death is supposed to work, but he he was so excited because he remembered how wonderful it was there. Another little boy um, asked his mother, Mommy, why are people... He came in after watching some television show, and she was in the kitchen. I mean, you're talking about a little three-year-old, and he's saying, Mommy, why are people afraid to die? And she said, well, she tried to explain, well, they don't want to leave their loved ones and some kind of intellectual understanding like that. And he, he just, he couldn't accept that. He just said, well, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just going to back to that place that I where I came from. And she said, oh, you mean that, that, that heavenly place you've been talking about? He said, yeah, it's really nice there, and that's where God is, and I, I, I like that place. And so they have a memory that where they have come from is where they are going to go. So there's no need to have any fear because you're just going back to bliss and love and light. And these little ones just have a whole altogether different understanding of of death. Mm-hmm. Well, so I don't even know where to go to your next. Question. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you have Norm Sheely on board, too, with promoting your work. And Norm Sheely is, he's a fascinating guy, you know. I mean, and Joan Borsinkel, I just, I, you know, I just experienced her recently in Chicago. I, I don't know, I've, I've, you know, been enamored with her work for years. And, you know, she, she they showed, um, well, it was her, but she showed pictures of their house that had been totally, like, consumed by flames. Like, they, she and her husband were out hiking, and they came back, and, 
you know, they they were the point house. Like if their house, if it hit their house, it was going to go to like all these other houses. And so they evacuated. And she said, it's pretty interesting. You think, what are you going to take? What, do you, what, what What's important? And wow. and she said when they came back, there was only one part of their house that was burned, but the sweat lodge where they had done ceremony, like all kinds of ceremony, you know, there was a shed where they stored all of their things for the sweat lodges. And they had all their gardening supplies in there, and all their gardening supplies melted, literally melted, melted, like hose and rakes and everything, and yet their house was intact except for one little burned part. But then, you know, and then they showed the picture of the destruction, and one year later, the little flowers coming back up, you know, like, and then three years later, you know, it was beautiful again. I mean, it wasn't totally, but, you know, like, you know, you talk about destruction and, you know, one life ends and another starts, and it's like this life-death cycle. And, you know, Deepak Chopra once described, you know, in India, you can have a funeral pier, and then over in the same field, you can have a wedding, and over <laughs> in the same field, you can have, you know, it's like, it's the it's the cosmic you know, death and rebirth cycle, it's like the continuum. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we I love to uh, research the people who have the interlife experiences also. They remember a series of lifetimes and the interlife, and, you know, that brings you to an even deeper, bigger picture. You know, it's not just one life that you live and, and die, but you've done it many times. Do you want to add something to that, Neil? Well, I think that uh, there's an immense cosmic orchestration of this going on uh, by some great intelligence that's conducting uh, this drama down here on Earth. And so there's, you know, every year millions of souls uh, departing and uh, millions of of, uh, new souls being born and uh, onto this earthly stage of life, but I think it's a it's a great cosmic drama, and the orchestration of it uh, is immense. And uh, some of the people report um, not just being with guides, but that they're looking into amazing computers where they can project I- instead of just you know making a movie over several years, they can see a movie almost instantly of one kind of life they might want to live, or they can uh, look at movie B or movie C or movie D, or they can mix several movies together and have kind of a uh, a combo or a hybrid movie package. And so we've heard this from people. And others uh, talk about looking in these uh, great books and, and uh, parents they can choose, and then they talk about looking down through a portal like a cosmic Google and uh, everything opens up. There's no clouds or anything in the way. It could be in the dark of night, but yet this Google portal opens up, and they can look down, and they can see the parents, okay, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, and then once the souls come down uh, and they're waiting for the parents to, you know, uh, have a pregnancy, they're hanging around and uh, watching the parents. One child recently, um, we heard from the mother that uh, uh, this this uh, child reported the grandfather bringing a pie over every week, and the mother said, "Well, that happened five years before the boy was born." Okay, 
five years before. And he knew it. And one lady in our uh, earlier book talked about, you know, having a a boy hanging around for at least 25 years of her life until she was getting married, and um, then she had uh, cancer and cervical cancer, so the doctor wasn't very encouraging that she would ever become pregnant, but uh, Beverly urged the doctor, don't do you know, the the most radical surgery, do the least, okay? And the doctor said, well, I won't guarantee you'll ever get pregnant. So after a number of years of unprotected sex, she had one pregnancy, and today she has a beautiful 22-year-old son who's very cosmic, and the pregnancy was healthy. Uh, she was communicating with the being about her diet, and uh, and every week or whenever she'd go see her doctor, and report what she was eating. The doctor was amazed, saying, you don't need any vitamins, Beverly. You've got a, just like a perfect diet. I wish I could get other mothers to eat like this or eat this well. And so um, anyway, it just shows you how there can be a great deal of spiritual guidance uh, in this process. And we we're, we hear this more and more. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever run across Dolores Cannon, and she crossed this last year, but she was um, she was on every uh, alien or UFO or, you know, anything to do with anything from Roswell uh, area. I always get it mixed up. I want to call it 54, but it's not. It's 50-something else, where, you know, the first documented aliens in the U.S., and then there was a... You know, there's been a, uh, an agreement with a lot of the governments to not talk about all this. And what Dolores, Dolores was in and out of Russia, in and out of China. She developed a hypnotherapy technique that would take people in the past lives. And so she was, she looked like everyone's grandmother, but she was like this person who just knew how to help souls figure things out. And, you know, I've interviewed her, I interviewed her a number of times. And um, she also has a publishing house that's still active in the UK and in, in the US. So she's, and she's worked with um, Arun Gandhi. She's worked with scientists. She's worked with, you know, spiritual leaders. She's worked, you know, with all kinds of people. But she's the common thing that she said is that, you know, there's a higher intelligence, and like the 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 aliens are not. I mean, they're more advanced than us. Is her take on it? And and her whole thing is that there's a soul communication. Like, you know, she was more easily received in Russia and China than almost in the U.S. I know that might sound odd, but it, she just found that in other cultures, there's more of an understanding about the spiritual aspect of life. Would you say that that's what you have found to be true as well? I'll let or? Neil answer that. Well, I know I, he's got a good answer. Well, a lot of these cultures are older, okay? If you look at the European cultures, the Russian culture, I mean, we've only been in this country a few, few you know, years, you know, 200 and some years. and So the U.S. is still developing. And also, it's such a huge melting pot. But, um, you know, there's big differences in in the U.S. between the West Coast, the Midwest, the South. Uh, So there hasn't been, I think, as much blending and melting of of these diverse, you know, areas of the U.S. as as you've had in Europe. Of course, they've, they've had a lot of wars, but... Uh, it's just when you go over there, things are so much closer together, whereas the United States is so so large. So, yeah, I think in some respects we, we're technologically advanced, but in terms of uh, the spiritual development, I, I think, you know, countries like India are more evolved. 
So we have a lot of, I think, catching up to do in the United States. Uh, another point is if there's more recognition, as you were talking earlier about England and how they're giving birth over there, um, the uh, the myth that babies don't feel pain, uh, that babies can't remember before the age of two or three, so therefore we can, you know, circumcise the little boys or do infant um, surgery uh, on uh, babies even in the womb uh, uh, without anesthesia. These kinds of things are more widespread here. Uh, the circumcision rates in Europe or Asia are very low. Here in the U.S. it's high. Um, is it, are people just greedy and want to make more money? Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so there's that. Um, I'd say Europe is ahead of us in so many other ways. The um, their 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 diets are more clean. They have um, they're you know opposed to GMOs. You don't have that in their. Uh, they have more organic food. Uh, they're not putting mercury in the teeth. Uh, their architecture, their their building materials are less toxic. I mean, you could go on and on about. Oh, we know. think we're in such an enlightened country, but I'm sorry to say, if you start traveling around or learning about other places on the planet, you'll see that. And we don't have very good um, uh, health, um, you know, the health statistics. Uh, like, Oh, no, our um, infant mortality rate is one of the worst for a developed country. You know, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's shocking. So there's a lot of things you know, right. that, right. in you Japan, know, we, I wrote, we've been yeah. basically brainwashed yeah. that we're living in the most advanced place on the planet. But I once wrote a paper I was working on, well, I don't know, some, it doesn't matter, but it was. Um, but I wrote a paper on the infant mortality rate, like contrasting Japan to the U.S. And in Japan, when a when a woman finds out she's pregnant, whether she's married or not is not that's not even a factor. It's a matter of if she needs bus tokens, if she needs food, whatever, whatever the mother needs to have a healthy child. Bam, it is there, no questions, you know. And um, and going to the environmental, I'm a feng shui consultant and. You know, not all feng shui consultants are trained in biobiology, but I am. And uh, bio biobiology, there's only one school in the whole U.S., but it comes from Germany. And it's everything from using vinyl wallpaper where the walls cannot breathe to, you know, no matter how much you clean carpet, you're using chemicals in most cases to clean that carpet, then your feet are walking on that carpet. And so Germany is, like, way ahead with they win every solar competition. They have whole houses that are totally green. Um, and they under, they, they're just way ahead of understanding like, the chemicals in our homes, the air that we breathe, the walls that can't breathe when we put vinyl wallpaper on them, and, you know, all the different things from lighting to, you know, natural lighting. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just amazing to me. And they win all the world competitions for this, you know, like over and over and over again. And... You know, I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. And all what your book, you know, I, I want to. I there's, we only have like 15 more minutes left, and I have so many questions. So, um, you know, I would like to talk about cosmic conception, and I would like to talk about miscarriages and stillbirths in the light of pre-birth plans. So, I don't know which way you want to go, but, um, but I really think it would be helpful for people to understand. You, you touched on it a little bit with the cosmic conception. Um, but anything else you want to add, you know, so that parents who really want a child could, like, gain from this knowledge. But, you know, yes, they need to buy your book, too. But 
<laughs> for tonight, you know, we have we have is you know we have so many after hour listens um, because it's a podcast and people know they can listen to it later. So a lot of times people are listening later. So please offer wisdom after all these stories you've heard on on how. Well, I gave you the two two topics I'd love to cover still. Okay, Neil, go ahead. Well, I think that when um, a woman feels a desire to have a child, she definitely has a spirit baby uh, hanging around her, okay, that wants to come in. And then, so, you know, that's the, you might say, the easy step. And then the next ones are, you know, is she ready? Does she have a partner? Is she emotionally uh, stable, spiritually uh, prepared to go through this uh, pregnancy and start raising this child because it, it's life-changing. And so uh, what's her diet like? Um, is her work, Does she work? Is it too stressful? So there's a lot of challenges then that people need to deal with to, to resolve if, if the timing is right or if they need to wait a year or maybe five years or maybe longer okay um so um anyway there's just there's a lot that people need to look at and sometimes i think in in this country uh people tend to be a little bit um uh i don't know what the, what the word is but they they think they're ready but they're not okay that they're it's calculated it's a schedule yeah they're they're not it's well they're not quite mat- as mature as they think and also maybe the spirit beings. Maybe it wants to wait a few years when the um, the cosmic uh, aspect of the stars is what it, it's seeking. And we do hear this in that these beings uh, want a certain uh, astrological date for when they want to be born uh, because there's some kind of a cosmic imprinting uh, that takes place uh, that will help them through their uh, whole life. And we don't appreciate that cosmic imprinting um, in the United States very well, but in some countries around the world they do. So that's you know you've, it's not just a matter of, of you know bringing in a spirit baby, uh, spirit child, but you know what is its desire and uh, what kind of a life does it want to live? So uh, there, these uh, spirit beings are looking at parents and they're looking at countries and they're looking at uh, life uh, projections uh, and one one woman we met uh, didn't have any children and then she had this desire to, to adopt two and she she now has two beautiful gifted girls from China who told her that they wanted the Chinese DNA but they wanted to be raised in the US and then she has found out that there's a karmic connection between her and these two souls and so we heard the story a year ago. It's just amazing because here they connected across thousands of miles, um, you know, and um, so any, anything's possible. Right. That's um, fabulous. So the unborn children are conscious beings. So we have to recognize they have their own timing, as Neil just pointed out, and they're going to come in when it's most advantage to their life purpose, and it may have nothing to do with what our plan is or of when we'd like to conceive a child or when we'd like the child to be born. So they they come when they're ready. And getting um, over to your other question about miscarriage, uh, we have one story in our book, and it kind of ties into the environmental topic we've been touching on. And 
Uh, it's called Spiritual Lessons in the Loss of a Baby, and this is a situation where a woman uh, lost her child seven months into the pregnancy. And throughout, very soon after she became pregnant, she just started having all kinds of um, complications and illness, and uh, she'd be fine for a week, and then uh, and then she'd be sick again. And it was just off and on, and... and uh, so it was a very deep, dark time for the couple. They they went to all kinds of psychologists and trying to figure out what what what's what's happening here. Uh, what in retrospect now the father understands what had happened, what the big picture was, and in this case the father was a arch- architect here, just doing traditional stuff as we have it here in the West, toxic materials. And they were had moved in after they had gotten married, and then she shortly got pregnant. They had moved into a very toxic home, with uh, you know triple paned windows, exterior foam, doors that cut the energy bills, and uh, also the they had noted there was a chemical smell, and we, they just thought it was a natural smell of a new home. But the, uh, they ultimately found out that um, Christie's poisoning came from the formaldehyde emitted from the carpet backing and so the whole thing is was there was very little fresh air in this home and so it just the the well insulated home they were living there in the winter when she was pregnant so anyway as a result of losing the child um, the father's Richard his eyes were just opened up and he he realized that you know there was a bigger purpose to all of this he couldn't bring his child back but he decided to change the future and clean up our living space as an architect. So he got into the European bio- biology um, movement, and, and that's how he builds homes today, completely oh, toxic-free natural materials that create soothing effects to uh, everyone. So he said that, our, that that was the message from the child. The child never spoke that message to him, but he felt as if his child was telling him to wake up and reject mm-hmm. everything that you've been taught. Otherwise, many pure souls will stop incarnating. So he, that's how he looked at the whole experience as a lesson, and it was a complete shift in his thinking, in his uh, career, and you know now he's building beautiful homes for people to live and and so he has incredible gratitude for the lesson is you know as difficult as as it was so that's one you know, example that's, of how there's a bigger yeah. picture behind all of this that we can't always go ahead right no that we can't understand you know like right, like right. Dolores Cannon was saying that when all these cattle died and um, there was a UFO sighting, and they thought that the UFO, you know, they were like, oh, they killed all the cattle. Later, they found out that those cattle were tainted, and if they had been processed, people would have died from eating them. There mm-hmm. was a higher consciousness that shifted things, and it's like, you know, so many, like, you know, how, how I mean, what a beautiful story that you just shared, though, about losing this child, and then that led to the father's whole like gift to you know during his incarnation is to help people become aware and so other people did not lose their children because of these chemicals you know you think you're living in a safe home and and you're not and i i just think consciousness you know consciousness and awareness is 
is the name of the game these days. And these souls, these little beings, are so intelligent that are coming in. Yeah, there, there was that was the lesson plan or the for for the child to come and teach to be a teacher to to the father and it wasn't to to live a normal life so sometimes these miscarriages come to teach some kind of a lesson like that so if that's happened to some of the people out there listening see what what the deeper significance of your personal experience is well and i i just love to to read this um quote that you put at the beginning of your book by Rumi. And I I just think it's quite beautiful in everything that you're communicating in this book. It says, where did, where did I come from and what am I supposed to be doing? I have no idea. My soul is from elsewhere. I am sure of that. I intend to end up there. That's beautiful. Yep. We love that quote. Yeah. <laughs> so I well, I, the book and I was like, one. what a beautiful way to start this book. And, you know, it's just beautiful, you know. This whole book is beautiful, and um, I just thank you for um, for your commitment to this level of work. And um, I, I just I, I don't think you're ever going to run out of things to write about because you know your 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 finger is on the pulse. And you know they, you know I've studied the Indigo Kids and I've studied the Crystal Kids, and you know they. You know, I, I had a child at 42, and every single person, well, I have three children, but my last one was at age 42, and it was kind of a surprise, not planned, and, you know, not not consciously planned, shall we say, but divinely orchestrated. And, you know, every Vedic or Western astrologer who's read the chart or anyone who's tuned in is like, oh, this child's very spiritually advanced, this may be his last lifetime, blah, 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 blah. And from the time he was little, I called him the little miniature Dalai Lama. I'm like, oh, you little mm. miniature Dalai Lama. You know, and so he kind of grew up, and... You know, I, you know, he gets it. He's like, you know, I, it's not just about, like, success. It's about making the world a better place. And, you know, he's only 17 and he's in college and he kind of gets that. I mean, not always. I mean, a lot of times he's just a normal kid. But there's a there's a depth to some of the pod of people, the kids that he's, like, been migrating to lately because his soul is advancing, you know, and, he, and he's starting to become more aware. And, you know, as a parent, it's just a joy to watch your kids, you know, I my daughter here, I said mentioned, is here from Italy, and she speaks three languages, you know, and, mm. and, and, and you know, that's advanced. To me, that's advanced, to be able to go back and forth and, you know, I mean, that's the soul recognition, I think. Like, you know, she feels at home wherever she is, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. But you know what I'm trying to say, I think. That's beautiful. Um, that's why the souls want to come into the earth plane at this time, because it's a time of great change and catalytic activity, so it's it's a wonderful opportunity for the souls to come in and uh, evolve a great deal more than it would have been maybe a hundred years ago or even two hundred years ago. So there's many souls clamoring to be born at this time uh, because there is so much change going on all over the world, and they can travel very quickly. They can communicate at the push of a button or by a cell phone. So this is a very special creative time on the earth for this kind of rapid-paced spiritual growth. Yeah, the 17-year-olds, Facebook's way too slow. They have their Twitter lists. You know, yeah. they have their Instagram, yeah. they have, you know, Pinterest. I mean, every, they're like, oh, you're interested in that? Oh, well, so am I. I mean, there's like this grok, like, you know, you know, um, you know, grokking, getting it. Their cosmic minds just connect in a, in a lightning speed. And I don't know. So, listeners, you've been hearing this 
fabulous interview, you know, with Elizabeth and Neil Carmen, and their website is CosmicCradle.com. Um, you know, CosmicCradle.com, they, their recent book is Cosmic Cradle, Spiritual Dimensions of Life Before Birth. Um, anything else you want to add? We, we, you know, I'm just so delighted that you well, all the time Well, please visit our Facebook and, page if you're on Facebook or even want to go in there. I think you can go in there. I like to illustrate um, stories, uh, examples of people's memories and pre-birth communications. And so I, I just love working in Photoshop and, and creating uh, beautiful little snippet stories for people to read. They're quick and easy, so they can um, go in there, and there's hundreds of them. <laughs> so now, we have uh, Cosmic Cradle. Uh, hmm? what, that's what I was going to say. Is your Facebook, is it Cosmic Cradle on Facebook? It's Cosmic Cradle, Spiritual Dimensions of Life Before Birth. Okay. All right. And, and on the website, you'll find if you get the Cosmic information on there. Pardon? I was going to say, and, if, and listeners, if you get to CosmicCradle.com, there's a link to Facebook, to Twitter, to Pinterest, to all of the different things right. we just talked about. Um, but, if you, but, you know, I didn't know you were on Facebook or I would have searched you. I am so sorry. I, I don't know. I just noticed. I don't know why I didn't see that before. But, um, but I'll put a link from the show to your Facebook page in case anyone wants to, you know, um, if you would like, you know, with your permission. Yeah. So, um so, okay, well, you two are fabulous. I, you can be my guest anytime, so stay in touch, please. And, oh, um, and, this, and, and listeners, this month there is a fabulous article in the September issue, um, uh, you know, talking about the spiritual dimensions of life before birth. And just from my heart to both of yours, thank you so much for being my guest well, this evening. Thank you. We really enjoyed talk, talking to you, Cindy. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back on the air in two weeks. We're off next week, but there's over 450 archived uh, episodes to listen to. So have a fabulous two weeks, and we'll be back on the air um, on the, I don't even know what today is. It is the 29th, and Nancy Jenkins will be my guest that evening, and she'll be talking about press work, firewalks, and spiritual expansion. Thanks so much. Have a lovely week. Good night.